to James chapter 1. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Well, let's pray and ask for God's help as we look at that passage together. Our Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that as we uh, spend time in it now, you meet with us by your spirit. uh, And we pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us, that we would know the blessing of sitting under your word, of receiving it with uh, humble hearts, and desiring you more and more. Lord God, you know each and every one of us in this room. You, you know each and every circumstance uh, that we are facing right now. You know what we need to hear. And Lord God, you're sovereign in your timing. And in this moment, you have uh, brought us here to this place to hear these words. And so we pray that your spirit would be at work now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder if you can think for a moment of uh, relationships that are precious to you. Uh, Your spouse, your children, your parents, perhaps. Uh, Maybe a dear friend or a a mentor. Maybe as a child you had a a best friend. Uh, As a little boy in the highlands of Scotland, uh, I had a best friend called Edwin. Uh, in a tiny village where the sheep outnumbered the people, probably about 15 to 1. It was pretty special to have another kid who was roughly the same age as you. So, so we used to do everything together. Now, we left the Highlands when I was six. So unsurprisingly, we lost touch uh, over uh, uh, pretty quickly after that. Uh, but I never forgot his friendship. And then during the lockdown in 2020, Edwin reached out via email and we were able to reconnect and and reminisce about those early childhood memories. When we're kids, friendships can seem to come fairly effortlessly. But as we grow, when it comes to the relationships that are most precious to us, if we really want to to get to know someone, then we need to invest time in that relationship. We need to cultivate that relationship. The more we get to know someone, the more that we understand them, who they are and and what matters to them. And really the same applies when it comes to our relationship with God. If we want to grow in our relationship with God, if we want to know him more, then we need to listen to him. 
And that's really what this passage that we're looking at today is all about. These verses in James chapter 1 are a very practical guide of how we are to go about growing in our relationship with God. James says here that if you want to know how to live the way that God intended, the way that will bring freedom and blessing in your life, then you need to listen to what he has to say to you. If you look with me at verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, it seems an obvious point, but if we want to hear God, then we need to listen to him. Now, James' words here, even if we were just to take them in isolation, they are sound advice, aren't they? And that's because very often the opposite is true, isn't it? We can be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger. But James says, verse 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, the kind of anger that results from a quick-fire response, it's, it's not like the holy anger of God, which is slow in coming. Uh, God's anger is always righteous. It's always against injustice and evil. It always knows all the facts, and it's always under control. It's totally different from the anger of our world. As James writes to, to a people who were facing various trials and temptations, he urges these beloved brothers and sisters to listen carefully. Now, when life is crowding in around us, when we're facing various pressures, it's very easy to become consumed with our situation and to shut our ears to what others are saying. And more worryingly, we can end up shutting our ears to what God is saying. But James challenges his readers not to do that. Instead, he encourages them to prepare their hearts to hear what God has to say. If you look with me at verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. How do we listen to God? Well, James says we need to turn our backs on sinful thoughts and behaviors and we need to focus our eyes on God. We need to come with humility and a recognition that whatever God says in his word ultimately is for our good and it's to be obeyed. But faithful obedience, it's not something that we can manage in our own strength. Notice James describes the Bible as the implanted word. What does it mean uh, for the Bible to be the implanted word? Well, James is saying that when it comes to reading the Bible, it's, it's like no other book that we could read. It, when we read the Bible, there's something very different happening from, from reading any other text. When someone puts their trust in Jesus, God's Spirit it comes to, to dwell in our hearts, giving, giving us new desires and a new nature. And here in verse 21, James explains that, that part of that process involves God's Word being implanted in the believer's heart. That this desire to know God and obey God's will is empowered by God's Spirit living in us. Now, there's lots that we can look at for evidence for the reliability of the Bible. There's all sorts of, of, of helpful historical uh, arguments that we can make for the Bible being true. But, 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 but even deeper than all of that, the thing that assures us 
what assures us that, that the Bible is true is God's Spirit working in our hearts, assuring us of the truth of what God says. And so when we open our Bibles, as we study them, as we take time to meditate on God's Word, it's not simply a case of, of receiving some information at, at an intellectual level, storing it away until it comes handy, it becomes handy for us some point in the future. No, there's something supernatural happening, something deeply spiritual. Our minds, our affections, our, our wills are being shaped by God's Spirit as He applies these truths to our hearts. When, when we, um, if you look at Luke's account of, of Jesus' life and we read about the, uh, Jesus' uh, time with uh, His disciples on the road to Emmaus, when He reveals to them who He is, as he explains uh, the, how all of the promises of the Old Testament find their fulfillment in him. The, the reflection of those disciples after, after Jesus disappears is they say to one another, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened to us the scriptures? And that is the experience of the believer as they read God's Word, that God's Spirit works in our hearts, assuring us of the truth of His Word. And the more that we dwell in God's Word, the more time we spend in it, the more God's Spirit shapes our hearts as we receive that Word with humility. We should become quicker to listen, slower to speak, and slower to become angry. Those are signs of a, a believer who is receiving God's Word. Now, maybe you're a Christian you're, you're, and you're struggling right now. Uh, maybe you're struggling to, to, to feel the presence of God in your life. Maybe He feels very distant. And maybe the truths of the gospel don't feel particularly real to you. Maybe there are particular sins that, that you just can't seem to, to wriggle free from. Well, can I ask you, how is your Bible reading right now? If the way that we grow in our relationship with God is through receiving the Word implanted in us, then are you spending time feeding on it? Are you setting time aside to, to dwell in His Word? Is listening to God's Word a priority in your life? If we only ever read the Bible when we feel like it, if we wait for the ideal moment, it will likely be very sporadic and we won't cultivate the kind of relationship that fills us with the joy of knowing Christ. If we really want to get to know God, if we want to know what pleases Him, then we need to listen to Him. And we need to learn to read it properly. That means we, we don't just pick verses at random. We need to take time to understand it in context. And that takes careful, thoughtful, prayerful study. Alec Mateer writes, it is possible to be unfailingly regular in Bible reading, but to achieve no more than to have moved the bookmark forward. This is reading unrelated to an attentive spirit. It's, it's possible to approach your time in the Bible as a kind of box ticking exercise, to take a few minutes to, to read our Bible out of a sense of duty and then uh, feel good about ourselves when we do it and, and, and feel like failures when we don't. But that's not how we're meant to think about it. If Bible reading cultivates our relationship with God, if God is supernaturally at work as we study His Word, then there is no better use of time 
than taking time to listen carefully to what he is saying to us. Now, that's what we try to do here each week when we uh, spend this time together listening to what God has to say. But it's something that, that we can also do at home or on the bus or during our lunch break. It's not so much when or where we do it, it's, it's that we do it. And maybe something that would be a really helpful thing to do over coffee afterwards would just be to chat to one another about the ways in which you've gone about reading your Bible. What have you found helpful? What's been challenging? How can we encourage one another in our relationship with God as we spend time in His Word? But we don't just listen to the Word. We need to act on it. If you look with me at verse 22, James writes, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If we want the word of God to dwell in us, it's not enough simply to hear the word. We need to act on it. If we just hear the word and do nothing with what we hear, then James says we are deceiving ourselves. We are not really receiving it. You know, it can be easy to open our Bibles, to, to hear something in a sermon, but do nothing with it. If we don't act on what we hear, then we might as well not hear it in the first place. James says, verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, the reason that we look in a mirror is to check our appearance. A mirror exposes any, any faults. If I look at myself in the mirror and I, I see something that needs to be fixed, but then I don't do anything about it, then what was the point of looking in the mirror in the first place? And God's Word is like a mirror. When we listen to God's Word, it exposes who we really are. It challenges us. It, it convicts us. It shines a light on our soul. It shows us what we are really like so that we can act on it. If we just read it and then walk away without doing anything with what we learn, then we're missing the point. It's as foolish as looking in the mirror, seeing your, your breakfast all over your shirt, and then walking out the door without doing anything about it. But James says, verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The person who hears God's word and obeys it will be blessed. Notice James says they will be blessed in their doing. He's not speaking about a future blessing. He's speaking about a blessing they can experience now. He's saying essentially that the, the key to the blessed life is obedience to God's law. That's how he describes the Bible here, as the perfect law, the law of liberty. The person who obeys God's commands as he reveals them in his word will live life to the full in the way that God intended. They will experience blessing. Now, if we obey God, that does not mean that we experience a life free from suffering. That is not what James is talking about. You know, sometimes as Christians, we experience terrible suffering. We experience extreme times of, of difficulty, pain, loss, illness. And yet even in those 
at difficult times, in those horrendous circumstances, we can still know what it is to be blessed, to know God's blessing as we walk with him closely through those situations. It's often in the, the hardest times that we experience the greatest blessing. Now, that is so counter to the way that our culture thinks. The idea that obedience to God's law brings liberty and blessing. Now, that doesn't make any sense in a world that, that sees true freedom as an absence of constraint, that to be truly free, we need to be able to act on our feelings without any limitations, without any restrictions. Uh, we live in a culture that is being increasingly influenced by the ideology of radical individualism, the view that says that my, my individual feelings are the ultimate authority, that if anything is at odds with my feelings, then it ought to be rejected, whether it's those in positions of power, uh, the, the church, even my own body. In the end, I need to be true to myself, who I feel that I am. Now, that's how freedom is being defined right now. But it's the absence of law, of, of restriction. Is that really true freedom? Well, in the Bible, real freedom is not the absence of constraint, but the presence of the right kind of constraint. And that makes sense, doesn't it? The elite athlete, the, the classical pianist, they have to live with certain constraints in order to have the freedom to do what they want to do. They have to be disciplined enough to make all kinds of sacrifices in terms of time or, or diet to be free to perform at the highest level. Or, or, or suppose I, I was, I was to, to drag a fish out of water and throw it out onto the bank, uh, calling out after it, be free from your watery constraints. Is that kind or is it cruel? Taking a fish out of water isn't giving it freedom. It's giving it 30 seconds to live. That's because it was made to live in the water. To remove it from constraints in the name of freedom is to completely misunderstand what freedom really is. If we want to experience true freedom, then we need to be in the environment that we were made for. And that environment is in fellowship with the God who made us to be his. That environment is to live in obedience to what he has said. James describes God's word as the perfect law. There is no better way that we could live our lives than in obedience to his perfect law. It's, it's his law that brings freedom, true freedom and blessing. It's obedience to that law that can spare us so much heartache and pain. And it's the law that's given to us by the God who made us and knows us, who knows where we've been, who knows where we're going, and who knows what's best for us, who gives every command for our good because he loves us. It's only when we live for him that we experience life as it was made to be experienced. That's why we should delight in his law, not reject it or resent it. When we live in obedience to God's word, we experience real freedom. And when we reject it, 
we end up only enslaving ourselves to idols and values that will end up harming us in the end. Temptations that lead to death, not to blessing. Now, of course, we know, don't we, that, that living in obedience to God's word, it's a constant struggle. You know, we begin each Sunday here with a prayer of confession for the times in the past week where we have failed to live in obedience to God. We are constantly battling sin in this life. And we will do until Jesus returns. There are bumps and bruises along the way as we seek to live in obedience to God. But as God's Spirit implants His Word in our hearts, He will shape us more and more into people who exhibit the characteristics of our Savior. A Savior who spoke words of truth and gentleness and love. A Savior who lived a life of perfect obedience. A Savior who went to his death on a cross. Even though he had lived that perfect life, he chose to go to his death to die in the place of sinful people. People who had failed to obey God's perfect law. A Savior who now dwells in our hearts by his Spirit, maturing us and shaping us into his likeness. And as he does, the world around us gets to look at the church. It gets to look at his people and see something of his image. As we live lives of obedience to the perfect law of liberty that God has placed in our hearts. Lives that display to our family, to our work colleagues, to our, our friends, our neighbors, our, our teammates. Something of what it means to be truly blessed. Lives that, that are available to them too if they put their trust in the one who loved them and gave himself for them, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, you have given us such a wonderful gift that we can know you that we can experience what it is to, to be truly blessed as we, as we listen to your word, as we receive it, and as we, as we obey it. Lord, would you give us a, a deep desire by your Spirit to know you more and more, that as a church we wouldn't just come to, to study your word, to, to grow in our, 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 our knowledge for, for intellectual purposes, but that we would come to encounter you, to, to experience you, to, to, to receive your word and, and, and to be transformed by it. And Lord God, as we do, would you, would you be, by your spirit, would you be shaping us as a church community that is, is one that, that points more and more and more to the, the beautiful Savior that we have, the Lord Jesus, and that that many in Leith would come around us and, and see something of that blessed life and that they would desire it for themselves. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us your son and we thank you for the gift of being able to meet together as your people and we thank you for the gift of being able to come and take bread and wine. Uh, so we pray that as we do that now that your spirit would be at work strengthening us renewing us and reminding us of, of your grace to us in the Lord Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.